0: All right. What do we think of when we think of God? What do you think of when you think of God? You know what I think of? Uh, And I've thought this a long, long time, as long as I can remember. When I think of God, I see like this faceless being, this like faceless, and and I see this, um, it's like, you know, barely like abstract, but not quite abstract, and it's like these golden hues and these brown hues. Like, that's what I see when I think of God. Like, there's no right or wrong answer, I hope, because I feel like I'm failing miserably here. But, but that's what I think of when I think of God. I think of that picture. I was asking some kindergartners, what do you think of when you think of God? They were like, hugs. That's nice. They think of hugs. I like that. And then I asked them, I said, where do you think God lives? And one of them goes, I think God lives around Minnesota. <laughs> I said, I do too. I do too. I think that's where God lives. What do we think of when we think of God, though? What do you guys think of? Is God good? Is God awe-inspiring? Is God like a cosmic dictator waiting for you to to step out of line at some point so that that God can send you to hell? Is God a man? Is God a woman? What is God? What is God? How do we think of God, when we say God, it, it's it's really. I mean, there's so many variables. There's so many ways that, that we are affected, right? That our lives have, have um, uh, been colored by the way we view God, just in incredible and sometimes like ridiculous ways, and then in sometimes really painful ways too. Like depending where you grew up, like what church you were a part of, I mean, you can believe some some wacky things about who God is. There was this like crazy person uh, in Pennsylvania who's a part of the Ku Klux Klan. And he was like, I can't believe I'm being kicked out of my neighborhood watch group. All we are is a religious organization. Yeah. Yes, because you think that God likes some people more than God likes other people, right? That's what you think of when you think of God. Or like wars, right? Wars that are started where people are like, they're either going to convert to my God or I'm going to kill him. One way or the other. That's what people think when they think of God you know, there's a friend that I have that, that uh, you know, every time I talk to this person, uh, they say to me, they say, oh, God is good, I'm alive, I'm here, I'm happier than I deserve to be. I, I sort of like that. They see God as somebody who is a continual blessing in their life. Then I have somebody else, and they uh, re- grew up in a really abusive home, and it's really bad. And so when they think of God, they still think of God as being this angry, violent warrior Type character. We have context and life and subjectivity, and we have ways in which God has been explained to us, and it all affects what we think of when we think of God. And you know what else it affects? It affects the way we live, it affects the way we treat others, it affects the way we see our world. So, what do you think of when you think of God? Here's what I've come to realize: I've come to realize that there is no context. That there is no context that we can put God in. It is not there. God is outside of our context. Uh, And what I've realized is that maybe even for me, I've thought of God maybe as being a little bit smaller. Maybe God is God, but God's just a little bit bigger than I am. God's able to see a little bit more than I can see. That's probably who God is. And what I've come to find out is that God is infinite. Infinite. God is bigger than I can even imagine. And it's hard for me to get this, like, my head wrapped around this. And so I want you to do some exercise with me today. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to take this God who is outside of all context, okay? We're going to take this God who's bigger than we could ever imagine, and we're going to try, I'm going to be hypocritical here. We're going to try to put some context around that, okay? So, God outside of context, let's put God in context. Let's try to do this. And let's try to use our imaginations and see God past our subjective experience, past what we think when we think of God, and maybe into a God who wants to allow us to live fuller lives. So I need you guys to walk on this journey with me as we go through it. And here's what I can tell you. It's a starting place. It's a place where we are going to start. It's not where we're going to end up. We are a church that firmly believes that if you believe the same thing, Fifteen years ago that you believe now, you're not doing any hard work. You're not wrestling, you're not praying, you're not talking. And so we want to start at this place. This is going to be a base from which we view God. And I hope from this base that we start to journey and that we start to think of God outside some of the context that we were brought up. And we start to think of God in some ways that are beyond the subjective ways that we think of when we think of God, all right? Are we going to do this together? All right, good. I'm glad you you audibly responded to that. (laughs) My goodness, that felt nice. All right. So, what is God? All right, God is Spirit. God is Truth. God is Light, and God is Love. I'm going to focus on three of those. God is Spirit. God is Light, and God is Love. Those are the three I'm going to focus on today. Now, Scripture is an interesting thing when it talks about God. Okay, Scripture is interesting because parts of Scripture say God is just. And then all of a sudden, uh, you end up finding out that like half the people who wrote our scriptures, who wrote our letters, they were martyred and killed. That doesn't seem like a just God. They say God is wrathful. That's what the Bible tells us over and over again. If the Bible's wrathful, he saves so many of his people. Why would God do that? (laughs) Then the Bible says that God is never changing. But we talk about in this church all the time, the fact that God... Puts the Israelites in exile, takes them out of exile. Puts them into exile, takes them out of exile. Never changing. God's changing his mind a whole lot. So, who is, what is God? Well, Scripture tells us a lot of what God is like. But when Scripture talks about what God is, they say God is spirit. God is light. God is love. Let's talk about that. God is spirit. You guys know uh, what spirit is in Greek? What the spirit means in Greek? Anybody? Good job, Robbie. Good. Yeah, Robbie, you get, an, you get a sticker today. Yeah, <laughs> Robbie gets a sticker because because uh, uh, spirit in Greek means breath. It means our breath. Now, this already is good news to me. It's pneuma breath. That is, it's good news for this reason because when I think of spirit, and maybe you guys do too, You think of like a being, right? A being that maybe floats in and floats around and floats out and works in some really interesting ways and goes here and goes there, right? That's what we think of when we think of spirit. We think of uh, something that's bigger than us, something that operates on a different plane than us, but it's still something that is a being. What scripture says is God is spirit, which means God is your breath, your breath. Now, breath is an interesting thing. We, uh, we can control our breathing, right? You all can breathe faster right now. If you wanted to start breathing faster, you could start breathing faster. If you guys wanted to start breathing slower, you could start breathing slower, right? You can do this. You can control your breath. You can hold your breath if you want to. I'm sure some of you held your breath when you were kids trying to get your way. Is that true? A few of you. <laughs> A few more of you. <laughs> but here's the other thing about Breath. We can control it, but at the same time, we can't control it. It continues to happen. We don't say to ourselves, okay, we're going to take another breath. Here we go. We don't do that. It just happens. So we can hold our breath until we pass out, but when we pass out, what does our unconscious self do? Starts breathing again. God is our breath. God is uh, the the breath in which we live. And there was a study done in 2007 Uh, It was done by two physicians at the University of Mexico and they put out this journal and then this was picked up and talked about by everybody and there was a consensus on this. This was like a really dense and incredible article and it said, we do not quite understand the reason why we breathe. Now, we know why we breathe, okay? We know that we breathe because, um, you know, we need breath, right? And it has oxygen and oxygen travels through our bloodstream, it goes to our brains, our brains tell us what to do, it tells our body what to do. We know that. But this article was saying that, that you know, in terms of evolution, the way we were developed, there could have been any number of ways in which we were able to take in oxygen, any number of ways. And yet we developed this really unique way of breath, this really unique way in which we breathe in and we breathe out and we can control it, but we can't quite control it. And so this article goes on to call it a phenomenon. Breathing is a phenomenon. That's what it says. I thought that was interesting because if we look at God, it's this we don't quite get it. We don't understand why. We don't quite understand how, but it's happening. And it's the ground of who we are. It keeps us alive. And so all of a sudden, when we start to think about who God is, God becomes bigger than just a spirit that swoops in and swoops out of a situation and moves around in different ways. All of a sudden, God becomes the self, like us alive, It becomes our every breath. In Jewish tradition, the word is Yahweh, and Yahweh is supposed to mimic the sound of breathing. And so that takes God from just being this God who's over here, who's just barely above finite, who can maybe do a few different things through that spirit that moves, to a God who, as Karl Barth said, is the ground of all of our being, the ground from which we live, which means that the possibilities of what God can do in our bodies, in our minds, and in our lives is endless. And yet I think we fail to believe that. Yet I think that we still have some place in our minds that say, well, God can do enough, but God didn't do this one thing in my life. And so I don't think God's infinite. Or God can do a lot, but but there was that one person, they had this thing happen to him, and I don't think God had any control over that. So I I don't necessarily think that God's the ground of all being. Scripture says if you want to know who God is, God is your breath. The ground of it all. And then it continues. And it continues in these crazy ways. It says that God is light. I want to read to you about God being light. It's in First John. It says this. It says, We have heard from him and declared to you God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet we walk in the darkness, we lie, and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus. Now, how many of you guys grew up in the church? Who grew up in the church here? Most of you grew up in the church. You guys ever read this when you were kids? What do people tell you when you were kids? God is light. You better do what's right, otherwise you're in the darkness. If you're in the darkness, you are in trouble, right? Walking in the darkness, and you were like, what do I need to do? And you try to run into like lighted areas and whatnot. Like, you know, I don't know. You're, just, you're trying to keep yourself right. And, and you know, I, I read this, right? And, What it brought to mind is another scripture, okay? So follow me along here, right? It brought to mind another scripture. This scripture that I read in Revelation when I was a kid, and it's this vision of heaven, and in heaven, uh, you have all these creatures, and they're winged, and they have eyes all over them. They're covered in eyes, and they sit around the throne of God in this vision, and they sit around all day, and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's what they do all day long, and then all of heaven joins in. And when I read this when I was younger, I was like, how boring. Like, heaven is such a boring place. Like, I don't want to say holy, holy, holy all day. Like, heaven should have roller coasters and stuff. And that's the way I felt about it. And then somebody said to me, uh, a mentor of mine when I got older, goes, hey, listen, God is light. And I went, well, yeah, what does that mean? I mean, it just means I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. God is light. And he goes, no, 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 no. In scripture, whenever they talk about God being light, Every time that God shows up as light, people are terrified. Like, terrified. They're scared to death. They literally physically want to die. Their body wants to shut down when they see God as light. That's what happens. And so he goes, imagine being in heaven, right? And you're in this eternal place, and you're sitting around God, and God is light. And what God is doing while God is there, it It's just, it's otherworldly. It's so incredible. You're like, oh my, this is actually happening, but you can't say a word. And so you just sit there and you go, holy, holy, holy. (laughs) That's what it means when God is light. (laughs) That's what it means to have God as light. So what about darkness? (laughs) Well, when God is light, And the only thing you can even utter is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Well, then you start to recognize that you're not quite the God you thought you were, right? You don't have it together as much as you thought you did. Maybe your intentions maybe weren't the best ones because now you're seeing God's intentions. And you're like, I guess I'm the opposite of whatever God is. I must be darkness. So what you start to realize is this. It's not about right and wrong things. It's about believing in the life. It's about saying, I want to be so close to that thing that, that can only make me say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, make me say it for the rest of my life and love it. That's the thing I want to be close to because that thing has endless possibilities. That thing can do, you know, work magic in, in my life and in the lives of others and in this world in ways that I couldn't even think about or comprehend, in ways that physically make me want to die. That's how big it is. That's how incredible it is. That's why I want to be in the light. It's a wanting. And to decide to stay in the darkness is not like, oh, you know, I lied to my mom again, I'm in the darkness. No, it's more like, no, I don't don't quite believe that God can do that. I don't quite believe that that's who God is, that, that God can actually work in those ways that make me want to say, holy, holy, holy. I'd rather have the roller coasters than everything else. That's what you're saying. So once again, God being light is good news because it means there's a God somewhere, right? We we don't, I want to say up there, I don't know. In Minnesota, let's go back to Minnesota. There's a God in Minnesota who is doing things that are just so out of our realm of possibility, so incredible that there are multitudes gathered around and the only thing they can utter is holy, holy, holy. And guess what? We are a part of that God too. And we get to utter that too. We get to say that too. So we're still here, though. We're still here. We're not quite there. So we don't get to see that yet. And that's why the third thing is so important. Because if we know that God is our breath, right, the thing that keeps us alive, and we know if God is a light, the thing that gives us the possibility beyond possibility beyond possibility, then what about God being love? And I love this idea of God being love. I love this passage, right? It's Matthew chapter 22, this, you guys have to picture a press conference, okay? Jesus is having a press conference, all right? And there's all these Pharisees, these religious leaders, and they all get together like, we're going to ask Jesus a bunch of questions and try to trick him. And Jesus is like, all right, come on, bring it on, bring it on. So the first guy goes and he says something, he's like a guy that's like a part of the tea party. Like that's how we have to imagine him. I'm sorry if you're a part of the tea party. But he's like a guy that's part of the, and he goes like... Uh, He goes, hey, do we have to pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus is like, really, man? He's like, whose money's on the coin? Or whose head is on the coin? It's Caesar's head. All right, well, then give Caesar what's Caesar's, all right? Give God what's God's. Then the next guy goes. Next guy's from, like, page six of the New York Post. That's who he is. He's like a TMZ kind of guy. And he goes, God, when we die and we go to heaven, are we going to be married to the same people that we were married to at first? Because my uh, brother's died and I had to go sleep with his wife as per Jewish custom and so am I going to be married to her? Am I going to be married to my other wife? Like what's going to happen? And Jesus is like I love what Jesus says this is what Jesus says I have to find it this this is what he writes he goes uh, you are an error I love that (laughs) you're an error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God Then some guy gets up there and he goes, okay, well, what matters then? Because what we're talking about is all law, uh, law-abiding stuff. This is all part of the law. So what matters? Jesus goes, you know what I know what matters? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. On that, on that, you can base all the other laws, all the other prophets. And then he goes, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. That's what matters to me. That's what matters to God. Remember, God shows God's true character by coming to earth as Jesus. God says, you want to know what matters to me? You want to know who I am? I am love. Now you, stop messing around with things that don't matter and go be love. Simple, simple. And so right now, right, we might not be able to comprehend the bigness of God. We might not be able to comprehend the fact that God is our every breath, right? That's sort of a, that's an abstract thought or an abstract notion. It's a nice one, but it's abstract. And we can't see the incredible things that God is doing all the time that make us go holy, holy, holy. It's hard to see God as light. And if we did see it while we were here on earth, we would physically want to die. But what we can do is we can love. What kind of love? Well... It's the selfless love that we've talked about before. And right now, this is a nice reminder for us. I understand that. We're like, yeah, Jonathan, love, whatever, whatever. But seriously, what if we really took into account who God is and then we lived our life based on this lens? God is saying, I'm giving you this lens as to who I am and I want you to go live through the same lens. Now, every interaction you have, everything that you go and do, do it through selfless love. Do it that way. So instead of asking all the wrong questions, because that's what those Pharisees were doing, asking all the wrong questions. They were part of the law, but they were still the wrong questions. What does the church community do today? We ask the wrong questions. Oh, what do you think about this social thing? Should we have a democratic majority as a Christian? I don't know. Should we do it? Should we be paying this many taxes? Or what about welfare? Blah, blah, blah. All the rest. Like we sit there and we ask these questions that are right on the periphery that do not matter And Jesus is face palming, and he goes, no, 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 no. God is love. Do it. That's what matters. That's the lens in which you see life. Nothing else. So, we have this context now in which we see God and it's just the beginning, it's just the base. But in the midst of God being our breath, in the midst of God being our light, in the midst of God showing us how to live through love, we get this fourth promise, right? It's the best one. We get this promise that in some way, in some form, in some capacity that we are never left, that God never leaves us. That's good news. I tell, I tell a lot of Dr. King's stories, Dr. Martin Luther King's stories. I'm going to tell one more. Um, you guys know he became the civil rights leader at the age of 26? You guys know this? I, what were you doing at 26? I hate to tell you what I was doing at 26. Some of you are 26 right now. You're like, I'm going home to play Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> Go have fun. Dr. King was, was leading the civil rights movement. That's crazy to me. Anyway, he, uh, he goes out and he gets arrested. You know what he gets arrested for? Driving five miles over the speed limit. That's what he got arrested for. So he gets arrested driving five miles over the speed limit. Gets home and uh, gets a phone call. This is what the phone call said. We're tired of you and your mess. And if you aren't out of this town in three days, we're going to blow your brains out and blow up your house. So King's like terrified. Terrified. These are his words, exactly his words. He says, I sat at that table looking down at my cup of coffee thinking about my little girl, thinking about the fact that she could have been taken away from me at any minute. I started thinking about my wife who was over there asleep and I got to the point where I could not take it anymore. I was weak. And I discovered that religion had, become real, had to become real to me. And I had to know for myself. And so I bowed down over a cup of coffee, and I'll never forget it. I said, Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right. I think I'm right. I think the cause we represent is right. But God, I'm weak right now. And I'm faltering. And I'm losing my courage. And it seemed to me that at that moment, I could hear this voice saying within me, Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And lo, I will be with you until the end of the world. And he says this, he says, I heard the voice of Jesus saying, fight on. I promise never to leave you. I will never leave you alone. No, I will never leave you alone. Jesus promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. I love that, right? Because what do you think about when you think about God? God. It's usually pretty broken and out of context. We don't quite get it and we feel weak. And all of a sudden we say, okay, well you're these things and you're bigger than we can imagine. But we are promised that God never leaves us alone. In the midst of our not knowing and our wandering and our doubting and our saying light. What does light look like and what does it mean to have God as breath? And, and how do we love in a world where it's so hard to love one another There's so many questions left unanswered, but we have this promise. I'm not going to leave you alone. Somewhere, somehow, I stay with you. I got to imagine Dr. King thought it would end up a lot better for him. I have to. I have to imagine that if Dr. King could have scripted it, it would have been scripted a completely different way. When he thought about God at that time, he thought about God who was going to come alongside him as a warrior, and it didn't quite turn out that way. But then God's doing amazing and incredible things and continues to do amazing, incredible things and continues to bring peace to a kingdom where there often isn't any peace. And I have to imagine, I just have to believe that Dr. King's probably one of those millions going, Holy, holy, holy. What about us? Is it possible that when we get caught up in everything and we say, no, God can't do that. God, you're not big enough. God, I don't know. We say this prayer every day. We say, God, thank you for doing exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever, we could ever ask or imagine, right? We say that all the time. What if we started believing it? What if we started to believe that, God, you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine? And I don't quite get it. And I don't quite understand how. And yes, I understand that you're not the God, that subjective, contextual God that I was brought up with. I understand that. But is it possible that you're working in my life and you're not leaving me? And one day when I get to heaven, I'll say, holy, holy, holy. You believe that? Let's pray. God, um... (laughs) you're really, really big, and we're really small. And so all we can do right now is worship you. And all we can do right now is just say thank you for each one of these breaths. And all we can do right now is say that in our breath and in our being, we know that you are here and that you are not leaving us. And God, show us grace when we wanna be you. Show us grace when we wanna figure it out. Show us grace when we say that you do not have it, that we have it. And every time we do that, pick us up dust us off, teach us how to love again. We pray this in your name, amen.